I will be uh, replacing uh, uh, Professor Agarwal today because uh, he's away. I'm one of the restation instructors uh, in case, uh, for those of you that haven't seen me. So we'll talk today about um, a neat application of uh, RC networks and um, uh, expand those to application in uh, MOS memory uh, systems. So to connect with everything, uh, we'll get back to the basic uh, circuit that we've been discussing so far. And uh, you recall the circuit that uh, we've been studying, the canonical RC. with an input voltage uh, function of T, okay? And um, we um, have specified that uh, we've solved this problem for the case of a step input or uh, a condition in which at T equals zero, at T greater or equal zero, VI is equal to some capital VI value that for now on is uh, constant. And uh, the other uh, condition that we uh, discussed was the uh, value of the voltage on the capacitor that uh, would exist at time t equals zero. So let's call that Vc of zero. And in general, there is some finite value here. It can be zero or uh, it can be different from zero. Given that, we learned how to write down directly without messing around with uh, uh, differential equations the answer for the voltage on the capacitor. Vc of t, we define also my Vc, it's right here, is equal to Vi, the final value, plus Vc of zero, the initial value on the capacitor, minus the final value, e to the minus t over rc. Okay, this is our standard equation to which we plug in, and it's either a rising exponential if vi is larger than uh, vc, or a decaying exponential if vi is a... Um, a smaller value than Vc. Okay, this should all be um, familiar. And again, as uh, pointed out in the notes, the reading for today is 10.3. And uh, for the new uh, material, you should look at chapter 11, where we discuss memory. Okay, so this is where uh, we stood as of uh, uh, last time. So now, uh, would would like to discuss a little bit more about uh, the storage of charge in capacitors and uh, how we can take advantage of that for, uh, um, for storing logic state. Um, one of the things that I'm sure you must be aware of is that one of the most, uh, um, perhaps most massively produced uh, chips is actually the so-called DRAM, which um, you find in every, uh, every um, 
PC and every computer that, is, uh, uh, that exists anywhere. This DRAM is dynamic, uh, random access memory in which we can store uh, a state and come back and, and uh, look at it uh, at any time later, provided we don't power off our, um, our machine. The charge, uh, the state, the logic state in the basic memory elements of which in state of the art there are um, close to one giga elements per chip um, are stored in, on capacitors. And um, so we'll play a little bit with that concept today. And although we're not going to discuss the specific example of the DRAM, the basic elements of the DRAM you will see actually in a demo uh, shortly. Okay. So that's the general uh, response of this uh, network that I have here to an input VI that um, um, happens at... Um, T equals zero. Okay, now the one thing that uh, you uh, recognize immediately is that it really doesn't matter what the value of VI was for T less than zero, okay? What really counts is the value of VI at, uh, at T equals zero. And, uh, that's the value that we're interested in. Now, there is a, um, an implicit statement in that, okay? And the statement is that somehow that network appears like this at t equals zero, okay? So there has to be some switch there, and you will see that, uh, that basically starts my condition to that at t equals zero, okay? And so the history of... Um, VI really doesn't matter. The response following that equation that we have there will depend on the initial value, which is VC of zero here. Now is the um, voltage on the capacitor at that time. And then assuming that VI is a value that's larger than VC of zero. We'll have a rising exponential that will come to this value. And uh, now that this is the time constant RC, if you take a, and this is time. So, the capacitor starts with some voltage here and goes to a uh, new voltage that is imposed by the input for uh, time uh, greater than zero. So we can define at any one time, say this time, this time, this time, this time, the state of the capacitor. Okay? The state, what is the state of the capacitor? The state is the summary of all inputs at, um, 
that are relevant to predicting the future. Okay? If I know the state of the capacitor this time, I can predict where it's going to go, you know, given a response VI here in the future. So predicts the future. Now, what is the state variable on the capacitor? What is actually stored on the capacitor? You can say, well, what is stored is, is voltage. The real physical quantity that is stored is the charge, Q, which is, for linear capacitors, related to the voltage. Oh, let me actually write it correctly, V sub C, like this. So the real state variable is this. But for a linear capacitor, since there's one-to-one -one relationship between the two, V is also a um, state variable. Okay? So, uh, let's uh, then uh, go back to our uh, uh, original circuit. What we have is that... Um, PC of T, so that's the future value of the, of the voltage on the capacitor, is a function of VC at zero, the initial value, and the uh, variable input now in, in the future time. And for the case of VI of T being... Um, constant vi for t greater or equal than zero, we have the equation that we just described. Nothing new. So all the past inputs to the capacitor for time less or equal to zero is summarized in this value. And VI being constant, the future is predicted from that. Okay? So that's the concept of the state. There's an initial state on the capacitor, and then there's a final uh, state that will be reached or uh, um, at uh, when uh, equilibrium actually... Um, is achieved. So, there is, a, uh, there is a fair amount of discussion in the text, and we don't go in great detail here, but uh, uh, it is both convenient for analysis and also it's interesting in, in many cases to um, look at the response of a network, linear network, um, for two different conditions. So we're interested in two cases. One is the so-called zero state response. Now, what is the zero state response? It's the 
responds to a condition in which we impose an input and ask and uh, um, uh, impose also the condition that the initial value, initial state on the capacitor is zero. Okay? So then we ask how does it respond to the I of T? So starting with a capacitor um, at zero state, what is the response? It allows us to decouple the initial conditions from the um, response to the input. Now you will see that this is actually very useful. The second condition to which we're also very interested is the so-called zero input response. So what is that? That is vi of t equals zero. Now, the condition under which there is no input to, um, uh, not vi of t, vi, um, vi of t equals zero. Okay? So the, the, the question here is how does it relax? So we're starting with an initial state. So how this state relaxes out in the circuit. Now the zero uh, state response, this one here, the Z, so-called SR, for our case, which I will write like this, V sub C, Z S R, is simply a rising exponential. We start from zero. Okay, and we go to VI. So it's VI minus VI e to the minus T over RC. Okay, so that's the ZSR. The ZIR, the zero input response, is like this. It's the decay of the initial voltage on the capacitor to zero or to equilibrium. So starting from VC of zero, we're decaying like this. Now, do you see something that's rather obvious from what's on the board in terms of the ZIR and ZSR and the final complete answer, which is there? Yeah, there are specific cases, but how does, do they relate to the full answer? It's a sum. It's a superposition of the two. So what basically we see here, and that's actually a general um, statement, is that VC is equal to VC ZSR plus VC ZIR, okay? Now, you may say this is trivial because we started from that, ended back in that from some very simple 
observations. However, we are not only, always solving uh, networks for responses that are steps, okay? The uh, input voltage may be a ramp. We did that in station, or it could be um, an impulse, so it can be a more complicated uh, uh, function. So having this, um, uh, this uh, observation in place actually allows us to uh, solve the problem rather neatly. If I have time at the end, I may come back to this. Okay? So this is the same equation as I, as I started with, okay? arrived at from a principle of superposition of two different uh, solutions. Okay, so one application of state, which can be, since we have energy storage element here, the capacitor, uh, which can be stored on the capacitor, is in memory. Okay, and um, there's, you may ask, you know, so why do we need uh, memory in order to perform logic? Well, there are uh, cases in which the, um, a result depends on previous results, okay? So a computation proceeds in time. In order to do that, we need to store intermediate results and proceed forward. One good example is um, if you're doing a continuous summation, say, on your calculator, you keep putting things in the memory, the M plus button, right? And you keep uh, adding a series of numbers. So every time we, we store the sum of the previous operation, you, we add another number and, and so on. So clearly we need some way of storing uh, state. So for a complete computing system, we need combinational logic and we need memory. In fact, these are the two basic uh, um, elements that are essential for uh, any kind of computing system. So we need to remember intermediate results. We need to remember transient inputs. And that's the role that all these uh, um, enormous amount of memory that uh, is, uh, comes to play in, uh, in uh, computers is, uh, is doing. So the basic uh, memory abstraction is as follows. So imagine a block which needs to be populated by transistor, resistor, capacitor, whatever elements. And it has a control input, which we will call the store. It has a state, state input that we will call D in. And has an output, D out. So when we're telling this element, okay, now it's time to store, it looks at the input D in and stores it for, in principle, infinite uh, amount of time. So if we were to make a drawing of this, of what this looks like, let's suppose, um, actually, let me do all this in one axis. So time moves this way. So let's suppose that we have an input D in that looks like this. And 
the store command comes in the form of a uh, logic. So let's actually suggest uh, here, this is one, logic one, this is logic zero, okay? And although this is not absolutely necessary, let's also define that the store command comes in the form of a logic one at this uh, store input. So store, let's say it looks like this. So what does the output look like then in this particular case? Okay, assuming that the output was D out, the stored element was zero prior to the store, then this, the output would look like this. This is D out. So as you can see, it would remember the one that it saw at this point. In fact, it would do that irrespective of what was stored in this uh, memory cell. For example, suppose it was storing one, then the output didn't change. It says, okay, still one. Uh, if it was storing a zero, it will flip to a one. If we had another store, let's say here, Then what happens? Then we'll go back down to zero, okay? Because now we sampled an input that is zero and we flipped the state, okay? So that's what uh, a memory element or cell would do for us, okay? It would remember the output state. And not only that, but in principle, it should be undisturbable, okay? In other words, I may do something to this D out, but uh, it should not flip the state. And that uh, comes about uh, quite a bit because in um, actual uh, integrated circuit memory, uh, there's lots and lots and lots of nearest neighbors to this cell which when they're flipped have a cross coupling to this cell. The cell must be designed robust enough that it doesn't flip, okay, that uh, no coupling actually occurs. All right, so now we're gonna uh, try to apply what we've learned so far to invent a, a basic uh, memory element. And believe it or not, this is the key to the dynamic, uh, to the DRAM. So let's implement this in a circuit. Suppose I have a switch here, like this. And I put a capacitor and take my D out here. Okay, so this is D in. And the, the switch is operated by a command here that we will call store. So when store is one, 
Okay, when store is one, it goes up. When store is zero, it is down here. That's capacitor C. So this is the storage node. Okay, what are we actually storing in this case? Let's suppose that this voltage here is five volts. I flip the switch up to one. Then I flip it back down to zero. So what's the voltage on this capacitor here? Five volts, okay? Um, if the input was, now the capacitor is at five volts. I, I put D in to ground, okay? Flip the switch back up, then back down to uh, its um, non-storing condition. What's the voltage on the capacitor? It's zero, exactly. Okay, so it does store the value of the voltage that it saw, five or zero, high and low, okay? It stores it because it stores charge, okay? So that's actually the physical uh, quantity that is stored. It's manifested as a voltage, which we see, okay? All right, now is this, oh, before I, I move from here, so what is the basic cell in a DRAM? Um, you know, one that you go out and, and buy by the uh, billions of cells. It's actually this. The only difference is that this switch here is replaced with a MOSFET. And that's all it is. Okay. So a MOSFET plays the role of the switch. When the, the gate is high, this is a resistor and connects the input to the capacitor. And when the um, gate voltage is below the threshold voltage, this is an open as we've seen, and it isolates the transistor from the output. So that's the basic um, memory element. And as I said, it's the, the key to a DRAM. Okay, now let's consider a little bit the, um, uh, the conditions of operation of this thing, okay? So let me, assume, let me uh, draw the circuit in uh, two conditions, one in which it's storing um, and one in which, in which it's sampling and one in which it is storing, okay? So, uh, not to redraw this thing, let me. Now, assuming that I have a MOSFET there, I will have the on uh, resistance in place here when store equals one. Now, in principle, the output is connected some load resistance, okay? We'll talk a little bit more about this load resistance in a minute. So this is the situation when we are at store equals one situation. And for example, let's suppose that the in is five volts, okay? Now what is the situation for uh, uh, store equals zero? 
it's very simple. We have the capacitor, C, and P out. And here we have a resistance, okay? The switch is open. This is store equals zero condition. So what we have in this case is we have a, a problem similar to uh, what I was discussing uh, earlier. It's a, it's a ZIR, if you like, uh, situation. And this is a, a Z. You can think of it as a ZSR if we were starting with zero uh, charge on capacitor. But I'm interested in this part. So in this case, I'm starting with a VC of zero equal five volts, and I'm asking myself, how long will this cell hold the value, okay? And in fact, that's actually uh, what happens in a dynamic uh, RAM. The um, value on the capacitor is not stored forever. In fact, that's why we call it dynamic, because we have to come back and restore it every once in a while, okay? So for how long? are we going to store the charge? Okay, so what's the response of V sub C for T greater than zero after the switch flipped? Okay, it's very simple. It's VC is equal to five volts E to the minus T over RC, right? That's the response. So we have a, a DK and Applying to the things we know, so we start from 5 volts, let's say here, have a decay going down towards zero. At some point, we're going to cross the threshold for high, okay? So the only period in which I have a valid output, if the capacitor was storing a 1, is this period here, okay? So this is the only period in which I have valid stored one. Because once I go beyond capital T here, uh, the, um, I've crossed the um, legal limit for um, uh, threshold for uh, uh, discriminating a high uh, output and from then on the output is no longer valid. So this memory is good provided T is less, uh, time is less than capital T. Okay? So it's not a, um, um, it is not a case in which the capacitor can hold charge forever. In fact, we can uh, calculate the, um, uh, there is, we can solve for T in this particular case. It's in your notes. Nothing uh, really very profound. T is equal to minus RC log DOH over 5 volts. Okay? So this is basically what the response um, is going to be. Now, there is an implicit assumption. here, which is that the store uh, 
pulse width is much, much larger than our own C. In other words, when we want to store a one here starting from zero, we better charge it all the way up to five volts in the time that our switch is connected here. So, and what is the relevant time constant? It's going to be the R on C. In fact, it's actually the R on parallel RL with C, but uh, typically R on is much, much less than RL, so we don't have to worry about that. The dominant time constant is R on C. Okay? So, provided these things are happening, we have a memory. Now, we can try to improve things a little bit, okay? Uh, we see here that we will have a decay to uh, an invalid state in uh, time t. So, how can we improve things? One way to improve things is to add a buffer, okay? So, here's our memory element again. Here's the capacitor. So this is the storing node. Now I'm going to put a buffer. In fact, I'm going to put two buffers here, or two inverters, I should say, because I wanna, uh, if I'm storing a one here, I want to be able to see a one here as well. Um, and um, in this case, what I'm looking at is the arene of the buffer, okay? and. In principle, I have out here the RL, okay? Now, this is better because um, it is, if Rin is much larger than RL, then the time T, in this case, is um, much larger than the case with without buffer. Okay, so we buffer the effect of the L. This could be uh, one of these neat circuits we saw in uh, recitation, like uh, a uh, source faller, for example, or it can be just an inverter, in which case you just see um, the um, input of a, uh, of a transistor. Okay, so now the, uh, uh, this condition can be satisfied. Let me give you some uh, cases which are uh, some, some numbers that are typical for a dynamic RAM, okay? So typical times we're talking about is Rn on order of one gigaohm and storage node capacitor on order of one femtofarad to one picofarad, okay? Now, if you can do the math in your head, which is uh, just a multiplication, you will see that the time constant, the RC, is between one millisecond to one microsecond. Okay, and for DRAMs, actually, we try to be in the order of my milliseconds. 
So these are the times we're talking about. So if I, if I have this kind of uh, circuit, somehow there's got to be additional circuitry that comes back, samples the voltage here, and restores it. And that's actually what is happening in the DRAM. And, you know, my laptop is working there, and its DRAM kept, keeps getting refreshed every, um, say, millisecond or whatever the um, um, condition is. But in our case, we're going to do a slightly different uh, case in which we um, will create a static memory. Okay, so let's uh, actually look at the, first of all, the um, case of the discharge. So uh, pay attention to, let me actually break the loop here. And uh, this is a capa my capacitor. This is a resistor that is in uh, a series with a capacitor, like you see here. Okay, and actually, I'm going to keep that resistor in series with a capacitor, even in this case, because I have such a, um, you know, for the second part of my um, example. So I charge the capacitor to uh, to five volts, and you can see here the output. The um, this lights up and I hope everybody can see it, proportional to the voltage that I have here. From here on, it's all logic levels. So the intensity of light here will always be um, the same. It's either lit or it's not lit. Okay? So my, um, right now I'm charging the capacitor. In fact, let's see, maybe I can uh, discharge the capacitor first. Okay, so here the capacitor is discharged. As you can see, the uh, input is zero, the output is a one, and then the output of this inverter here is a one. I have two inverters in series. Now I'm gonna charge the capacitor, okay? So I charged it to five volts. Okay, this lit up, this is off, of course, that's an inverter. This is a valid zero, produce a valid um, one, okay? And uh, now I'm going to take the, um, um, the input out. As you can see, it's stored. In fact, we have to wait for a very long time. We don't have enough time to, to wait for that, uh, for this to discharge. So instead, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to add also the resistor. Okay? So now I'm going to flip the resistor in parallel with the capacitor to imitate what happens um, when we have an input. Um, resistance, okay? So you saw that there was a discharge of the capacitor. This input um, level went down. Voltage here went um, flipped over to a one. Let me do it again now with the resistor in place, okay? Storing charge on the capacitor, okay? That's the store command. Now don't store, okay? I have uh, lasts about a second, okay? Uh, the elements here is 20,000 microfarads and 100 um, ohms, which gives me a time constant of two seconds, okay? So assuming a, um, a VOC of the order of, let's say, I don't know what it is for this case, uh, two and a half, um, the log would be about 0.5. So it cuts basically the time to about one. So it lasts about one second, okay, if my math is all correct. 
It's actually longer than a second, but who's me? But the, the point is that the uh, charge is gone. Now notice, however, that there is something I can do here, which is that suppose I take the switch or a switch, okay, and bring it back to the, and, and provide an imp, a, a path from the output to the input here. And this switch is open when this is closed and closed when this is open. So this basically is the complement of store. Okay? So what I'm doing now is I, I put a charge here. It produces a valid one at this point, and then I'm feeding this valid one back to the input. Okay? As you can see, this will now allow me, even though I have a high resistance, to store the value for a long time. So um, in this case, what I'm going to do is I'm going yeah, to connect the output, okay, as you can see here. And um, I have my resistor in, and uh, I'm storing zero here, okay, uh, st storing five volts. Okay? Now I'm going to flip the switch. Basically, I'm in the don't store, don't look. Uh, case, you notice this dims a little bit. Ah. Sorry. Um, no, I, ha I want the resistor in. Okay, so the uh, output remained valid. This dimmed a little bit, but the output has remained okay. All right? So we've provided the feedback. Now we've created a static memory. This will hold charge for as long as, uh, as the circuit is powered up. Okay? Now, there is still one little problem that I have with this kind of configuration, and that is that if I disturb this output, the charge may, uh, the state may change. So, for example, let's say that I have, oh, I even, I disturbed it by coming close to it, okay? Yeah. So let's charge it again. Okay, I flip the switch, I flip the state from the output. That, that's an invalid condition, okay? I shouldn't be able to do that. How do I avoid that? How can I avoid this, this problem that you just saw? Well, I need yet another buffer. The answer is in your, um, in your notes. So if I don't take the output here, but rather take the output here, or if I don't want an inverted output, um, if, I, if I don't want an inverted output, I could put yet another element there, um, then uh, um, the situation would be fine. Now, in this case, let me do it again. 
charge. Oops. Why isn't this lit? Bad one. Okay, now of course we disturb the input. Okay, now of course I can do anything I want here. Nothing happens, but you may say this is a, a trivial case because this is already zero. So I'm going to change the state. Here's the change state uh, changed. Now, I, see, I can short this. Nothing happens up there. So this is an interesting uh, uh, situation in which I'm buffering the output so that the output does not feed back to the input. And by and large, in designing circuits, this is uh, uh, something that we do. Now, in the remaining three minutes, there is a, um, an example that we have. Can we put the laptop here? Okay. So here's an example of uh, how memory uh, can be put together now to create something a little bit more complicated. And um, you can see the um, memory cells that we were discussing uh, here. There's four of them. So this is a four-bit memory. There's a decoder at the beginning uh, here which decodes the address of each cell. So the, the input here will tell me which cell I need to address. Uh, let's look at the truth table. This is the truth table for the decoder. Okay. So as you can see, uh, depending on the address that I have here, this is a zero, one, two, and uh, three in a binary system. I, uh, only A, B, C, or D um, is up, is high, which means that this AND operation here only allows the input that is presented to all of the cells, but is going through the AND gate here, to appear at the output. So if, for example, we have a 1, 0, the only, um, the only uh, AND input that is going to be high is going to be this one. Okay? And that means the only cell that will um, look at the input when the store comes up is going to be this one here. So at that point, it will store whatever is on the uh, input uh, cell because that's an AND operation. So that's a, a simple example of a memory. And uh, following that um, um, you know, simple arrangement, you can build uh, incredibly large uh, memory systems. So that's all I had for today. And. Um, See you on Tuesday.